from the inkwells of Noir. To the digital screens of today. The kids present the comic book character of the month. Absolutely. So we've rounded out the the first issue um, of this three-issue series. There were the three stories from the three different eras, 1978, 1940, and 1975. So now we move into the second volume. And there's more consistency in these last two volumes because essentially what we get are all of the stories that appeared as backup in the flash so these were stories from 1982 so what we see is martin pasco comes back so the first time he touched the character was in 1975 now martin's coming back in 1982 and really just kind of picking up where he left off and incorporating what's come before him so he's bringing with him the wonderful reimagining of the character from paul levitz and paul levitz's influence of the lords of order and chaos then become a central point moving forward now the artist for all of these backup stories is none other than keith giffen and this is important because in he was drawing dr fate in 1982 this three issue reprint came about in 1985 following that in 1987 keith giffen would go on to write and illustrate a four issue miniseries of dr fate so you can kind of see he kind of really got into the character here cutting his teeth on the character by illustrating Martin Pascoe's story. But if you were to compare them, you can see the progression of the artist. A lot of the same use of cosmic imagery, shapeless and uh, amorphous imagery comes into these early 1982 stories. And uh, he just continues to build upon that uh, in, in a much more articulate style in 1987. JJ, well said, well said indeed. And with the exception of the Simonson story from the first issue, you see a massive leap in visual illustrative quality here in these second and third issues. I, I was absolutely taken with how exquisitely rendered all of the art was by keith giffen i i really frankly was not aware of him as much and and now i want to go seek out more of the works that he was involved with Uh, i was really really impressed with everything that he presented from as you just mentioned the cosmic imagery to some really fantastic close-ups with with a fantastic emoting happening out of the characters. And I, I just love his use here 
of a color palette that, yes, I know is far more diverse here now that we're into the Bronze Age than was afforded anyone back in the Golden Age. But still, you have to make taste choices here. And I think that, you know, his illustrations and and then uh, the collaboration there with Tallinn as as the colorist which is absolutely spectacular absolutely so with this three issues here it, we've kind of encapsulated the major span of kent nelson's incarnation as dr fate and i've already mentioned the four issue series that uh, would come out in 87 by keith giffen in that series we now begin to pass the mantle down the chain for many years to come, where there's always going to be callbacks to Kent Nelson. But with that four-issue series, we see the first transition, the first passing of the mantle from Kent Nelson to Eric and Linda Strauss. So, you know, we're not going to cover those issues um, like we're doing with this three-issue series, but, you know, this begins the idea that with the helmet embodying the being of Naboo, it is possible for that power to be passed on from person to person. And sometimes it's passed on willingly, sometimes it's passed on reluctantly in this particular case moving to eric and linda strauss it's kind of a set in a there's a new age coming and with that there needs to be a changing of the guard and kent nelson his body's been kept alive through naboo's magic for all this time and frankly he's getting tired and he needs to he needs to let go he wants to rest he wants he wants peace. So for me, when I think of Dr. Fate, it's always been Kent Nelson, that wonderful um, full-faced helmet that just has that mirror finish to it that you can't see. He looks unhuman. He looks godlike. And I think they did a wonderful job in the movie, uh, Black Adam, portraying that godlike ability behind the mask, behind the shining mask that hid the entire face. There aren't too many heroes nowadays, or, you know, the, the trend was there weren't many heroes that hid their entire face. Um, there's something to be said for the, the use of a domino mask. You know, Spider-Man, you don't even see his eyes. Iron Man, you don't see his eyes. Um, here you are with Dr. Fate, you don't see his eyes. They're... they're you know, they're more than human. They're other than human. You know, JJ, that's a great point that you're bringing up there. And and it's been a long time trick within comics that if you have a full blown costume that hides, completely conceals the identity of the, the person in there. Hey, you know what? You can switch out uh, folks at any given time. Now, when then you infuse in that helmet, essentially the, the essence of a god who is then going to possess the, the host who is then called to wear the helmet. Wow, now that just sets itself up for many permutations and combinations and, and iterations, if you will, 
of the character. And, you know, you had mentioned Eric and, and Linda Strauss. And, you know, for them, I don't believe that was a a a direct um, relation, if you will, to our original character here in Kent Nelson, but but just a a choice that was made. I mean, they were born to wealthy parents, Rebecca and Henry Strauss, and Eric was selected as a future agent of order, going up aware of the existence of the Lords of Order. So again, you're perpetuating that myth. And he would have a bond with his future partner, Linda Strauss, became his uh, stepmother after Rebecca committed suicide. And it, it gets really very soap opera-ish. You know, Eric was chosen as Naboo's next agent of order to inherit uh, the Dr. Fate mantle. So there you go. That, that, that's how that one ended up working. So it's kind of like, just like Kent Nelson before them, hey, now we're going to go ahead and uh, choose, choose the Strausses. But what's right. very, but what's very interesting, JJ, is that I think that that the comic reading public could accept that to a point. I, I think that there was a a true bonding experience that happened between readership and the Kent Nelson character, that lineage, that heritage, and we then saw that come back to Nelson in the version of Inza Kramer Nelson, and and she would then be kidnapped and would be possessed by uh, Naboo and, and ended up being chosen to, you know, wear the helmet and, and Kent's original costume. And, and at one point Kent is then invoked and they're kind of fused together. So we're, we're, we're getting, we're getting a, a fusion here of this couple. And this was all due to the entire parallax uh, storyline uh, that would happen later on with with DC, but here we're we're going back to Kent. It's a return to that that golden age, that then silver and bronze age, that that root character. But then then we we saw a, a an introduction of a Jared Stevens character. If I can interrupt yeah. you before we jump into Jared, I want to go ahead bring out a point here that with sure. those. First three, mm -hmm. we had we had Kent Nelson, and then loosely affiliated was Inza. Uh, Inza becomes Kent's wife, right? Um, but she's bearing the burden. She's bearing the burden of Doctor Fate as much as Kent is in some ways, right. right? Then you get Eric and Linda Strauss, and again, you've got a male and a female who together are again bearing the burden of Dr. Fate. And in, in that way, Eric mimics the origin of mimics the origin of Kent in that at the beginning of the story, he's still a child. You know, he's, I don't remember the age, but let's just say it's like 10 or something. And then he is through the process or through the initiation is aged to be an adult. So we get the same sort of kind of wish fulfillment, you know, wish fulfillment fantasy that, you know, was, was, you know, part of Kent's origin. And then you get after the Strausses, uh, because if I remember correctly, Linda actually bears the helmet at one point and indeed, and you have the a female Dr. Fate. So yeah. they, 
you know, here it's almost a little bit more balanced in the sharing of the power. Then you finally get to Inza Kramer Nelson, in which Inza and Kent are fused. So going, you know, taking the taking the male and female and joining them together as one to ultimately say that there needs to be some sort of balance of energy in order to fulfill the role of Dr. Fate. You know, so up until this point, there seems to be a really interesting progression. Now, Jared Steven breaks that. <laughs> oh, okay. and, massively so. And and I'll let you go ahead and talk about Jared, but you know, let's let's you know make sure that folks are aware Jared is from that era of the anti-hero where it's kind of looking at Dr. Fate through a dark lens. Indeed, and that dark lens is coming in in 1994, in the the height of the anti-hero. And this character was created as the fifth incarnation of Dr. Fate. And the connection here to the Nelsons uh, would be notorious, because Jared Stevens is a smuggler. And he was hired by the Nelsons uh, to recover uh, the helmet, amulet, and cloak. Uh, from an Egyptian tomb. And as the Nelsons try to collect the artifacts back, they are murdered by two demons. And during the battle, Jared attempts to use the amulet as a weapon, which then explodes and imbues him with various magical abilities and a red uh, shaped scar over his right eye. And his injuries force him to use the cloak as a wrap on his arm and melt the helmet into a set of shaped darts and a dagger for his use as weapons. I mean, so now this guy really ends up becoming almost like a demon hunter kind of kind of guy. And you, you get all sorts of crazy, crazy adventures that end up happening here. I mean, he teams up with supernaturally powered team of fugitives, a scare tactics, educate the demon. He even deals in the realm of Gem World. Uh, he's later murdered by Mordru. I mean, this is just, this is crazy stuff. It, it really it takes it from an anti-hero into a very fantastical realm very quickly. Yeah. And wasn't there something about the, the damage done to his arm, like was somehow tied to chaos too? Yeah. So again, it, you've got that, yeah. you know, weapons of order and some taint of chaos in this character exactly exactly and and then after jared uh, we still want to find some sort of connection here to to kent nelson well that would come based through his affiliation being a member of the jsa so hector hall uh who first appeared in all-star squadron number 25 back in 1983. It happens to be the son of the Golden Age heroes Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Both characters whose stories include reincarnation as a central part of fictional history here. So this character would eventually be reworked into the next incarnation of Dr. Fate here in JSA number 33 from October of 1999. So again, another, hey, you've been selected. You're you're you now after you know they murder uh, Jared and the mantle now of Doctor Fate uh, will be restored. Uh, the helmet, the amulet, and the cloak, and it's passed 
uh, to a reincarnated Hector Hall. So there it is, just in a nutshell. Um, and that's that's what they chose to do with the character there in October of 99. Now, we finally get back to the Nelson family with the new 52 and that reboot. And we get a psychiatrist and the grandnephew of Kent Nelson, not falling too far from the tree here, Kent V. Nelson, who would lose his status following his infidelity, leading to a divorce, into a depression, and losing his license following negligent practices in the workplace, and eventually the helmet of fate, seeking a new host, which was him as the next incarnation of Dr. Fate. And this character would become a member of the Justice Society of America, uh, struggling with upholding the legacy of spellcasters with his initial lack of magical expertise. So we get a lesser Dr. Fate with regard to mastery of the powers that has been bestowed on him, which would then finally be the precursor to the most recent Dr. Fate, and that's Khalid Nasur. And this is, to me, JJ, the most fascinating and, and thoughtful of these newer incarnations of Dr. Fate. Now, this one, Khalid, is the grandnephew of Kent Nelson. So again, another relation uh, through Khalid's mother's side. Uh, and he begins as a medical student. And he's an Egyptian-American who was bestowed with the helmet of fate and the name of the next Dr. Fate by the Egyptian goddess Bastet. An inexperienced Dr. Fate. Okay, so now we're, we're going to utilize some of that, that, that goodness there that we got from Kent, uh, Kent V and, and, and still perpetuate that here. Um, an inexperienced Dr. Fate. And Khalid would eventually be apprenticed by both Naboo and Kent Nelson. So both Kent and Khalid using Dr. Fate uh, for a period of time uh, at the same time. Now, this character was created with an emphasis definitely on diversity. And to take the character in a different direction, he's biracial. And the character's inspirations actually included some from the House of Ideas. So, you know, the, the beautiful part about DC and, and Marvel uh, JJ has been the admiration and then appropriation <laughs> of some inspiration uh, from from the House of Ideas here. So that's a lot of Asians. There it is. It it, it absolutely is. But I, I think they chose some good characters to uh, begin to infuse and, and and emulate some character traits from. So they gained some inspiration from Spider Man and Doctor Strange, and the. Um, and Sonny Liu uh, intended to depict a character here when he, he got a hold of uh, Khalid Nassour um, that was entrusted with great responsibilities. Well, there you go, Spider-Man. With great responsibility comes, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So with great responsibilities going through a journey of self-discovery in a world similar to the likes of Doctor Strange. So you, you've got this character feeling this burden of having all this great power and needing to, to, to have great responsibility with it. But now going through this really mystical uh, journey, very similar to Doctor Strange. Now, this series would also uh, reintroduce a rebooted version of Kent Nelson's character, as I mentioned before, depicting him as a previous Doctor Fate, so really a mentor here for uh, young Khalid. 
And uh, both Khalid and Kent uh, would simultaneously act as Dr. Uh, Fate, as I mentioned. And there are some old histories that are intact. And it's really cool to see this mentoring that happens between the two and how they interact. Now, Kent Nelson's character would be killed off eventually in the storyline, A Costly Trick of Magic. And that, that leaves now uh, Khalid as the sole Dr. Fate character in present time. Now, what's interesting in this series, JJ, you actually get to see for the first time, and, and I can't help but feel that uh, maybe perhaps this was some inspiration coming from Star Wars influence or maybe some of the visions that Dr. Strange would have or when Dr. Strange would have been in astral form and receiving some mentorship from the Ancient One. Uh, you you actually see the spirit of Kent Nelson while Khalid is utilizing the amulet of Anubis after Kent dies. And, and this this spirit, almost like a force ghost, like a Star Wars Jedi force ghost, appears at, at Kent Nelson here uh, to mentor a, a, a young Khalid. And, of course, this is all believed to be powered by Naboo. So it's a really cool way to then perpetuate the uh, mentorship into then a spiritual realm uh, as young Khalid is coming to grips with uh, the sheer magnitude of the power that he now has to wield. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, so if we take a look at the character and we start to deconstruct, you know, what is Dr. Fate? You know, there's, um, you know, the, the power you know, centers on, um, let's call it, um, you know, magic of the realm of order, right? Or, you know, in some cases, because I think they tried to, you know, balance order and chaos, you know, there, there's sort of a, a kind of primal magic that's there. And then you've got the mentor character. You know, this is knowledge that's passed on. And not only now is it being passed on from Naboo, but it's being passed on from, you know, the character who wielded this magic the longest, who wore the mantle the longest. And, um, you know, I'm curious if I didn't, maybe I missed it, but I don't remember you mentioning anything about, um, you know, any male or female balancing of the character. Is this kind of strictly a a male um you know kind of one-sided like masculine energy here uh when as far as the newer characters are concerned and Khalid, yeah. is that what we refer to yeah okay without being overt uh, about it meaning an actual fusing of two love interests as as, as we had had there with mm -hmm. uh kent and and you know his, his wife uh, with, with Khalid. What you do have is I would call it a sensitivity. So I I would not uh, declare Doctor Fate overtly uh, masculine okay. or or overtly feminine. I I, I truly feel that Doctor Fate is a cosmic entity, and mm -hmm. as a result, is pretty gender neutral. Okay. In, in in how that uh, character is portrayed while inhabiting the Doctor Fate 
garb. So while having the the helm on and, and mm -hmm. the cloak and the amulet, um, so so very much uh, a, a cosmic, a cosmic being, mm -hmm. uh, not defined by stereotypical uh, gender uh, constructs. Right, but there's only one physical right. host. Only one right? physical host. That's correct, okay. and that's Khalid. That is correct. Okay, so that that's the one thing I think that they've kind of stepped away from. Um, you know, when you look at the Great. elements leading up into that, and maybe the break was with Jared Stevens. You know, at Jared Stevens, we make the break of you know the masculine and the feminine energy, and with Jared Stevens, we have you know just very overtly you know masculine energy dominating you know the the character so you know but like when i think of it you know i think back to the to the era that i'm most familiar with those are the those are the elements that make up the character that mentorship that uh balance of male and female um and that unearthly magic you know this otherworldly or cosmic force of magic that you know that that's the way it translates is is um, magic and you know it generally gets to do um, anything that <laughs> the story needs it to do indeed indeed it's uh, that, that's a fantastic summary of the evolution uh, of the dr fate character so jj in 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 closing and putting a bow if you will on this this journey here of Dr. Fate, oh, what would you say are the best takeaways about this character? Because, you know, frankly, Dr. Fate's never been an A-lister for DC. Has really actually never been a B-lister. At best has been a C-list character. And in most cases has been a complementary part to a larger organization such as the JSA. So if you were to look at the Dr. Fate character, uh, what, uh, where would you place Dr. Fate in the, in the pantheon of the DC realm of superheroes? Well, I think most appropriately, it's going to be in that otherworldly um, sense of order and chaos. Um, you know, whether it's fighting for order against chaos, whether it's seeking a balance between the two, um, because the two forces uh, constantly form a, a battling cycle of, of uh, you know, peaks and valleys where one is holding dominance over the other, um, and then the reversal of fortune there. So um, as such, the ideas are kind of out there, right? And, you know, maybe um, you would, you know, be better versed than me to touch upon how that relates to a character like Doctor Strange. But, you know, he's moved out of the realm of the occult into being something of an alien wizard, um, really is what it comes down to it. I think the trappings of the cultural aspects of Egypt and Mesopotamia are still there as a touch point. Um, but really that's only, I think that's kind of a holdover from just the origin of the character, because as a pulp era character, that was kind of a cool thing because, you know, the, the, these were dark and mysterious lands that these powers came from. 
I think it'll be really interesting to just drop all that and really embrace kind of the order and chaos of it all and see where it goes from there. Um, some really interesting ideas there. There are some fantastic ideas there, JJ, and I agree with you that it would be a, frankly, a welcome departure if you were just to then declare the Dr. Fate character cosmic. And, oh, by the way, uh, let's go back to some of the roots here. Uh, you know, I mentioned at the top of this episode the allusion to ancient aliens, and we know that that really came into vogue in the late 60s and 70s and all that conjecture. But, you know, you had pulp magazines back in the day of Gardner Fox's era that were also touting some of this too. So uh, you could very easily uh, transport uh, or or lay um, um, attribution for these powers of being otherworldly and truly being cosmic. Uh, you know, even going beyond the uh, perceived conventions of ancient deities that were uh, espoused uh, here of this world, and um, you know, chalk it up to okay, it, they those were just cultural explanations for phenomenon that people were uh, experiencing at the time. Um, you know, so it, yeah, it, you've got so many different routes that you can go, and it, it's a rich character with a, a complex history, but one that I think, if put in the proper hands, could be elevated to an A-level status over time based on utilization in live-action films, such as we saw here with Black Adam, and really developed uh, more fully uh, and 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 grow in popularity. I I think you know when we were discussing uh, prior to you know going towards recording here, we both felt that this is a vastly underutilized character. Absolutely, and um, I I hope that that sort of you know re revisioning or you know. Um, change as a result to becoming more and more popular and, and being, you know, in front of more and more char uh, sets of eyes to bring the character, you know, more into the the common zeitgeist. Yeah, absolutely. I I hope that comes to pass. Um, I think there's a lot of potential here, and um, you know, you can read the stories of the day and enjoy them for what they are, and you know, see how. This character, probably more than any other character, has changed so much over time. Um, and maybe that's a result of him being C-list, uh, that they felt, yeah, we could do whatever we want with this character. So, you know, let's try to, you know, zhuzh him up. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And I, I think the, there was a lot more free reign there as opposed to, you know, the DC Holy Trinity of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, where, oh man, you, you have to be reverential as it relates to continuity and how those characters are, are treated because they truly are the crown jewels within that comic book empire. But when you're looking at a Dr. Fate character and DC in general, and I think you're starting to see this over on the Marvel side of the house too, is they're expanding out the, the MCU and both will be delving into the multiverse. I mean, we've seen the Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness happening here over on the Marvel side of the house. Of course, 
DC is the originator of the multiverse, the Flash <laughs> of Two Worlds. Of course, our own Gardner Fox here, uh, having developed that uh, conceptually. And, you know, this would be prime, prime, prime territory for Dr. Fate to thrive in. And, oh, by the way, further introduction of other mystical beings, magical beings, such as Zentana happening. And, and more uh, introduction of the Justice League dark characters, such as John Constantine, a little more. And, and really... A blending of cosmic and otherworldly along with a cult and some horror thrown in there too. So not to get too stereotypical or, you know, or, or, or bogged down in that. But I think the more you have some diversity here amongst the different powers of your superheroes too, as well as ethnic diversity and cultural diversity being reflected up on the big screen, I think that can only service DC well to have a broader appeal from an audience perspective and, oh, by the way, begin to pull in many of those fantasy fans who maybe, oh, yeah, they enjoy a superhero uh, uh, flick now and then, but they're really your, your diehard folks who loved Game of Thrones, who were into The Witcher, who were into Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and anything and everything fantasy uh, coming around could really... Uh, you know, glom on here and and, and, and grab at the cloak of a Dr. Fate and go, wow, this is cool. Okay, this is a superhero I can relate to. Absolutely. I look forward to that. Black Adam, my vision has shown me the world in flames. The battle you're meant to fight is upon us. Here we go. 